0: We're going to take a stab at it today. Stabbing things isn't funny. <laughs>
1: Depends what you stab, I guess.
0: <laughs> when I was a kid, I used to pray to God every night for a bicycle, but then I realized the good Lord doesn't work that way. So I stole one and asked them to forgive me. Buenos dias, Ginger, soy Sky.
1: Should I touch her now? And how should I touch her? And they're like looking at their hand as they touch her. And this is a fucking creepy <laughs> shit. So <laughs>
0: That's what those two goofballs <laughs> in the podcast were talking about. This is like I've hit critical mass.
1: All comedy is tragedy plus time, they say.
0: I've heard enough. Can we just go back to your place? Because I'm horny. I haven't had any in ages.
1: Welcome to the InterConfidence Podcast, where we bring you men's dating and lifestyle advice that doesn't suck. I'm your host, Robbie Kramer, a former collegiate golfer turned poker pro turned finance guy who became obsessed with learning about male-female attraction and dynamics and passionate about teaching men how to improve and optimize their love life. Tune in each week and we'll bring you the latest and greatest strategies on how to get more dates, how to build a thriving social circle that brings the best men and women into your life, how to become a better networker, and how to design a lifestyle that makes all your He's jealous. If you're new to the show, I recommend you download my first date protocol. It's the best piece of content I have. It'll help you optimize your first date and subsequent dates. And I like to connect with my listeners personally. So if you want to grab a copy of that, please send me a direct message on Instagram. I'm at Robbie underscore Kramer. Now let's dive into this week's content. Yo guys, we are back. The inner confidence podcast. We have a returning guest to the show. That's Scott McKay. Scott was on had to be maybe like 50 episodes ago um, we had a great time we talked about some awesome places to travel to he's been to well over a hundred countries Scott is the host of the mountaintop podcast and he's been a dating coach forever um, one of the one of the ogs <laughs> in the uh, the dating community um, and just a really Back when we were still called dating coaches. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So we have an awesome show today. We're going to talk about (laughs) making women laugh, optimizing dates. We're going to get into some cultural stuff in terms of like what's going on and the craziness that's happening, of course. But Scott, thanks for coming back. Welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, man. I was born ready for this discussion. I'm excited. Hopefully these yeah, guys will well, be we were too. kicking
1: around some ideas before we started. Cause you know, both of us could, could talk forever about all of these different topics. And I think we both kind of attract the same sort of guys right. to our shows, which is guys who are good, who want to be great. And, um, you know, in terms of, I, I was really excited to hear all the stuff about, you know, making women laugh, being funny. Cause that's like, I, I think I'm pretty good at that, yeah. but it's a hard thing to teach. And, um, I'm excited to, uh, you know, cause it's like you take a guy who's just like not funny and then you've got to kind of toe the line between, well, you could tell him to be funny, but then oftentimes he's just going to flop and it's worse <laughs> to try to like teach him that. And it's like, well, do they take improv classes? Do they hang out it with is, funnier guys. It it's, so it's, um, a little bit of a mystery to me how to teach guys to be more funny. Um, I feel like I was a little bit of a natural when it came to like humor, but yeah. So, hmm. I'm excited to to see what we got here.
0: Yeah, man. Let's kick that around. Like you said, it sounds painful, but we're going to make it less so. (laughs) Um, First of all, I'm going to echo everything you just said. You're a thousand percent right. Okay. I actually had, I mean, years ago, I'm not even going to mention any names. There used to be a guy who was a professional comedian who also styled himself as like a PUA back that long ago. And I had him on one of my programs as a guest to talk about how to be funny, and he didn't make me laugh once in an hour. It was like this right. guy isn't funny. And I mean, that's how that guy styled his entire universe professionally. I mean, he's again, the punchline is not around <laughs> anymore. Uh, right. Go figure. Who would have thought. <laughs> but I've noticed that, like, certain even stand-up comedians are nothing if they don't yeah. have any material. Like uh, and I will drop names. If you've ever heard George Lopez do like a, an offhand interview and he tries to be funny, it's painful, Is bro. It? It's like he, I mean, he's got good delivery and good projection. And, and if he's got a script, he can run it. And I think, you know, that's that, that harks back a little bit. That whole concept harks back to the pickup artist era too, where a lot of guys wanted to know what to say and have the pickup lines and the canned openers and, and, If I had something that worked, I would keep doing it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, after all, in society, what we do, we go, hey, how are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? That is a canned opener. But when it comes to being funny, here's let me just pull the stress out from under this thing and, and and just level with you guys. The reason why I wanted this so badly in my life was threefold. First of all, my man, my father, my old man. Is hilarious and quick. Okay, and I never was, and it drove drove me nuts because I mean everybody just. I'm pretty sure my dad's a smart guy, and he's he's talented in a lot of ways, but I'm sure that a lot of his success in his career was because hmm. of this skill. People just love having him around because he light, do do lightened everything up. Uh, he was in he was in advertising okay. and marketing. Actually, if you guys listen to my episode 100 of my podcast, the Mountaintop. He talks about it. He was actually, uh, he worked with uh, first-rate, second-rate supermodels. Not bad. <laughs> so it was kind of an interesting job because he was in the men's tailored clothing yeah. industry. You know, and what what happens when you're selling suits? What do you want next to you? Right. A hot chick, right? So yeah, he was in that business in New York and, and, and did gangbusters at it. But the other things were, um, I, I just knew instinctively that it wasn't just a superpower with girls and then women, but it was portable. Like I say, man, you play piano or guitar and you just rock the house. Yeah. Who's going to lug a piano with them everywhere they go. (laughs) But you know, when Mm -hmm. it's right here and you got it, then, then you can use it. And the third thing is other, I mean, it's probably a four-legged table instead of a three-legged stool. I also really wanted it. I wanted it in my life. Um, but I also realized it was a learned skill. I mean, I, you said, you know, not, it's hard to teach, but you know, we're going to take us, we're going to take a stab at it today. All the stabbing things isn't funny, can be, uh, Depends <laughs> but what you stab, in guess. terms of <laughs> actually taking a stab at it, mm-hmm. you know, in, 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 a, in a benign way. And we'll talk about that actually. I, that reminds me of something that's very easy to teach.
1: Well, one thing that I used to, you know, not used to when I harp kind of harp on it all the time with the guys in my program is that like you know you have improv and you have recall and as you were saying you've got someone like george lopez so he's memorizing all of his jokes working on the timing the delivery you know any stand-up comic they're going to test those jokes hundreds of times before they deliver them on stage right so that's that's not improv at all
0: uh carlin george carlin Carlin is famous for being meticulous right and yeah George Carlin.
1: And there, yeah, he's, he's one of the best of all time. I love him. Like his, his bit on like, uh, you know, God yeah. and, and the, uh, <laughs> what was it? He was all of it. It's just religion. A, and, and in
0: his time, he was just amazing. Religion's right.
1: bullshit, yeah. I think was my favorite one of yeah. all of his, but, um, the idea is that <laughs> <laughs> everything was bullshit to yeah. <laughs> George Carlin did. or he didn't talk about it. If it was true and not bullshit, it wasn't funny. You know, he just, but the idea is that like people are for the guys that have trouble with being like funny on the spot I'm like well you can develop you know recall humor you can say the same stuff over and over you can figure out when that's going to work and you can get really good at timing that and you can appear funny even if you're not right right um so that's that's kind of like my approach when I when I guy is like how can I get better at being funny I'm like well if you're not good at coming up with stuff on the spot and you're not hanging out with people that are really quick-witted I feel like it's kind of one of those skills you can learn through osmosis as well. Like if you're in a locker room with a bunch of funny dudes, you're going to get funnier.
0: Yeah, it's even easier than that because mm-hmm. here's what I was going to say. As much as I wanted this skill and as, as, as much as I realized it was a learned skill, dude, I, I have yet to meet any guy who can name five people he knows who have this skill. It's still exceedingly mm-hmm. rare. And yet it's just, it's like catnip to women. It's like catnip in your right. social circle. And it absolutely is something you could learn. And, and I think that's important because a lot of guys are looking for that unfair advantage. I will go on record and say the ultimate unfair advantage in the year 2023 is actually liking female human beings.
1: Wait, explain that one to me.
0: Most guys are so jaded and angry and pissed off because they've been rejected. Actually, mm-hmm. liking women is golden. And by by the way, that's not gender specific. As soon as you meet a woman and she isn't angry at men and doesn't hate men and isn't trying to be a man and actually loves men and loves the fact she was born a woman, she's much hotter and safer to you to hang out with For sure.
1: Yeah, it's rare to it, find it, guys it is, that it isn't actually specific. like women. You're right.
0: Yeah, and if you're one of them, women will like you back because right. they follow a man's lead. But we're, we're digressing. Um we were going to talk about this idea of, of take a stab at things and, and how that sounds painful. There are certain principles that if you apply them tend to be funny. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you, you mentioned recall humor. And I mean, I think there's a couple ways to define that the way you're defining it is once you know, something's funny, you look for ways to insert it into the conversation. Um, recall humor as a comedic device is extremely powerful, but it's kind of an advanced skill. So we're putting the cart before that's the horse That's good to know
1: yet. it's advanced because uh, it didn't seem easy. Which also sounds painful.
0: Right. Right. Because, well, that's when something funny happened minutes or even an hour ago and you're still in the same context and you bring it up again. Uh, like, for example, one time I was out with my brother and sister-in-law when we were at the park and blah, blah, blah. And um, we were talking about how you know the Germans are really meticulous and everything's clean. Everything runs perfectly straight. So we get to the place where we're there, and you know we parked in front of a dumpster. And my sister-in-law goes, "My God, those are the cleanest, most orderly dumpsters I've ever seen." And I said, "Yeah, the Germans must be in charge." And the whole car laughed. That's that's recall humor as right. a device. Okay. Um, if you want to, if you want to continue on that trail, we can. Um, here's the thing about learning a skill. We, as men do it all the time. You know, you just told me you were out at the range hitting golf balls. Why? Because that makes you better at golf. But if you don't do that, you won't be as good of a golfer. <clears throat> if you want to learn a language, you're going to have to go through a whole lot of pimsler and a whole lot of frustration. I was just studying
1: <laughs> Russian for and, the last And if uh, you're like
0: my wife, you'll land in Moscow, Russia and, and get to the hotel counter and go,
1: <laughs>
0: how do you say i got nothing <laughs> in <laughs> russian <You know? laughs>
1: so basically <laughs> i've been learning russian for the last <laughs> oh, three go, years right? and then the you know the the war in ukraine happened and now it's you're not allowed to speak russian to uh you know my ukrainian wife.
0: no niha tilly anymore would you like to go out and get a drink that's how you pick up women in russia because They're all Mm drink, you know, is it, do you speak English? That's very useful in a place where nobody speaks English as long as they speak Russian instead. Um, So we can, you know, when when you talk about the skills that we acquire, men will go out of their way to learn the skills. And, you know, if you have an aptitude for it, you're still going to learn the skills. I mean, everybody who's in the NBA or the NFL has a coach. Because, you know, when you're on top of your game, you get better. When you have a talent, you hone it. You don't just go, oh, right. I've already arrived. No, that's how you go from good to great. You and I both know that in our our respective practices with guys. But when it comes to this, it's almost like understanding women. We've been told our whole lives like, ah, forget right. it. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. You either got it or you don't. Right. But it's still not true, right? And it's not true about understanding women either, by the way. You can talk to either one of us guys if you want more on that. But the skills are kind of like they behave, they they evolve with you in a way as you're learning them, kind of like if you've ever played a musical learned to play a musical instrument.
1: When you're first learned how to to
0: play guitar, probably, you know, or or piano, right? It's frustrating because you can't get your right and left hand to work independently. And then one day you can, it's like when you play guitar, one day you end up, you have calluses on your fingers and your fingers don't hurt anymore. Or you can transition from a G chord to a D chord without looking and positioning your fingers. And like, it's like a happy dance in your head. Mm-hmm. Like, Whoa, I did it. Like now it's automatic. I don't have to think about it. I can strum and I can change chords. Right. And that's what, that's how learning the skill of being quick on your feet and and humor that tracks women evolves.
1: Well, I like, like to say that. like getting so, good at this stuff, your social skills. It, it's not a intellectual process. It's it's a physical process. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like right, it's like if your girlfriend breaks up with you, and and I'm sure these guys have come to you. They're desperate to get a girlfriend back, and they're like, if I could just talk to her, I'm sure she'd come back. It's like no, no, no. Right. This is not an intellectual process. This is how about how she's feeling. You're not going to logic her back into your life and you're certainly not going to logic yourself into being funny unless like you're, you know, a cat on the cast of Frasier or something. I think they were the exceptions, you know, but you're, you're not going to like be logically funny, but there is a formula, which I know may, I don't know. That's kind of sounds like it, it it isn't consistent, Mm -hmm. but let me, let me explain. We've talked about the device of recall comedic recall, Which means if you just keep in, your brain will learn after a while to keep inventory of a conversation. And then when something comes up that's reminiscent of it, all you have to do is say it. And people will laugh because it's the recall that's funny, right? If you you watch or listen to really effective stand-up comedians, they'll almost always or frequently, they'll end their set. Something that they talked about before. And then they'll go, you've been a wonderful audience. Thank you so much. Because it kind of just brings everything together full circle. Oh man, there's so many things I want to say and they're so out of order,
1: but you know. Well, I felt like. Let's stick yeah. right now to well, the big one, skill. One thing, just quick okay. anecdote, like Seinfeld, for example, I, what I loved about Seinfeld was he brought all of those storylines <laughs> yeah. together at the end, you know, because there's usually, usually like three or four different storylines yeah. going. And then at the end of each episode, they just like right. come together and it's just like <clears throat> the most hilarious shit ever.
0: They had a head on collision. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, so the big skill, more so, I mean, just take every, guys, if, if you really want to master this and you want to do it on the fly quickly, forget everything we just said about comedic recall and don't even bother for now. Save that for later, okay? There's one word that rules. It's irony. Irony is not synonymous with coincidence. You know, oh, how ironic, two Volkswagen Beetle, that's not, people misuse the word ir- irony. Irony is when something unexpected happens. It's so the theater of the unexpected is ironic. And you know there's science behind what triggers people to laugh. It's almost like literally, like when you tickle a little two-year-old girl and she goes, ah, and you again, again, it makes her laugh. You know, Same. I'm still ticklish. But it's it it's it's an impulse almost physiologically, and they and scientists have figured out. I don't know who these clowns are who call themselves scientists when they're studying funny stuff, (laughs) literally, but they do, they study this stuff. They have peer reviewed studies that say people are triggered to laugh when, when certain social Mm -hmm. cues are given, those social cues involve community. Like they bring us together. They make us feel like we're, we're a part of something bigger and also safety, especially relative to relief. Like if you've ever gone to like a traumatic event, like you almost have a car accident and you almost die. And then you everybody like when you finally get a break at the next stop, so everybody just looks at each other mm-hmm. and starts shaking their head and laughing. Hmm. That's what's going on there. Also fun, especially in women, elicits laughter. So remember on the playground when you finally in seventh grade, probably most guys weren't even there yet, but imagine you had the moxie in seventh grade during recess to go up to the cutest girl in seventh grade and ask her to the dance. And of course, because women go everywhere with other women, she's got her two BFF standing next to her. So you've got this wall of 12 year old girls and you're <laughs> trying to ask one out and you say, um, excuse me, would you maybe kind of perhaps go to the dance with me? Right. And they all look at each other and do what? Right. Cover their mouth and die laughing. And you're thinking,
1: why I do that. Oh
0: God. You Like that Muppet, you know, like that Muppet who <laughs> right. wilts in shame, you know, like, and you walk away and then they look at each other and went, what did we do? Where'd he go? Why did he walk away? Oh, I don't know. I was, see, they're not laughing at you. They think this is fantastically fun that you right. actually are asking their friend out and they just erupt in laughter. Similarly, grown ass women. Friday night, you go to a restaurant and there's a table full of 10 housewives there Drinking apple martinis or chocolatinis or whatever the hell's in vogue Espresso nowadays for martini. women to drink. I don't keep up with it. Oh, God. <laughs> no, that bad. just sounds gross. <laughs> kind of like a mudslide maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and uh, they're all dying of laughter. They're dying laughing. They're falling all over themselves. They can't handle it. Not one of those sure. women is a comedian.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: She's just having fun. So let me make this stone cold easy for you guys. If you make a woman feel safe and she's having fun – you're already going to make her laugh. It isn't even about being a comedian at the baseline level. If you help a woman feel safe with you, which we should all do. Okay. I had some MIGTEL call me simp for saying that. What am I (laughs) supposed to say? Terrifier like you? That's real attractive. (laughs) What else does men do? We're providers and protectors, damn it. You know. Whatever. (laughs) Don't get me started on that one. So basically what happens is you have her feeling safe and comfortable with you do you know what she is at that point is exactly. she's already laughing right. she's an easy audience it's easy from there you, you can you can be really bad at comedy and she'll because she likes you and because she feels comfortable she's still you know, going want to laugh you know, she's digging you right well, they're she not even at jokes. You say. You you can say hey let's go across the street and make out under that light. And she goes Whoa, okay, sounds great. And I'd say what did I say? It was you know, that sounds like enthusiastic right. consent. Let's go, you know. And and yet that's not where the magic is. Now if if you simply bear in mind, I say this all the time, Robbie. It's kind of like learning how a clutch works before attempting to drive a stick shift. Which you know, such an archaic example nowadays. Only guys who ride motorcycles ever use a clutch, but. Most of them don't even anymore. God, what's happened to our motorcycles, man?
1: Automatic sport At bikes? least if you what? rent a car in Europe, you still have to know how to drive a stick. I think a man should still know how to drive I, I a stick. I love driving a stick okay. anytime I can. That's my uh, that's my go-to. Oh, yeah, me too. I had one until they mm-hmm. I couldn't anymore. Um,
0: I, I still think we should know how to rub two sticks together and make a fire, although we never have to. You know, it just To me, it sounds manly. It does sound cool. Um, but who's got time for that right now? So what happens is, if you, if you if you just base basically take what I just talked about, and now you know how that works, that mechanism works. We love to talk about attraction mechanisms and women, all this wonky mm-hmm. stuff that makes it sound like engineers are hot, you know, but we're not. When <laughs> we're engineers. We just sound hot when we come up with stuff like that. What happens is, if you know that. Then you'll relax more and then you'll wait and just watch her laugh. And then you won't, then for God's sake, you won't take it personally. Like, oh God, she's about to reject me because she's laughing. No, man, no, she's having fun. You know, this is all good so far. All systems go. Then when you can layer on top of that, some real humor skill, knowing she's an easy audience. This is when you're going to be the most unforgettable guy she's gone out with in ages. And I'll tell you something straight up. I coach women and men. My wife and I are a team. The number one complaint about women for from women on first dates isn't what you think it is. It isn't guys are too pushy or they don't understand women or they don't spend enough money or they won't take me shopping. It's they're too freaking boring, gunfighter serious. serious. I love Clint Eastwood. Okay? But you didn't see a whole lot of women hanging around it with him in Good, Bad, and the Ugly and Dirty Harry, right? I mean, his wife and Dirty Harry had passed away like, what, 12, 20 years ago, and he was still walking around, you know. Those guys are cool, but they're not attractive to women on dates. So all this talk about stoicism and everything, great, you know, I think it's great to be stoic. I think it's great to be the, the, the strong silent type. But, you know, every time you read Dating Advice from 10, 15 years ago, every guy was trying to be the... Class clown in the life of the party, which is it? Well, it can be either or, or both and. You could be a guy who has everything under control, and be have a plan and come off as mature, and still be hilarious. Matter of fact, that's kind of the mm-hmm. secret. If you can lead and have a plan and be in control and do it all with a smile on your face that makes everybody feel good about it, you're basically going to be the most charismatic yeah, man anybody well- knows.
1: No, that's, that's spot on. And I remember when I got into this stuff, um, what was in vogue at the time back in like 2006, when I started studying, you know, the game quote unquote was like being funny and banter and and humor. And I liked that because that felt like Mm -hmm. a good fit for who I was. And now within like the last three or four years, All the guys who come to me, they're like, I need to be more alpha and more serious and more masculine. And I'm like, okay, yeah. And like as an overall inner game thing, yeah, you don't want to be like a sissy boy, but like on a date, how are you supposed to like show this masculine alphaness and like have a good time? It doesn't, it doesn't quite connect. So I'm glad what you said, because that makes a lot of sense.
0: I'll give you a real story that like you just said so eloquently about five minutes ago, ties that together. This actually happened. This, this, I'm not making this up. Okay. If I would, it'd be funny for me, for me to make up. I did make up the joke on the fly. And again, remember we're talking about honing a skill and I'll tell you how that works in a second. But um, my kids are involved in a sport that basically involves getting a group of them started and going. And there are three of us that work together to make that happen. And we're all within earshot of each other. Now, I'm older than I look. I'm 56 years old. Um, my wife is 51. I've been I've known her for 17 years. And, you know, to quote Yoda, when 51 years old, your wife shall reach. Look as good she will not. Okay. I mean, she still gets chatted up by 25-year-old guys at Home Depot. So my wife is adorable. Now, one of these guys likes to think he's really alpha because he's, you know, reached pro status in the sport. And he's about mm-hmm. 40. And, but he's really douchey and he has no self-awareness. That, that's, that's the truth. Okay. And these guys don't attract women. I hope he's not listed <laughs> <to> this. <laughs> I doubt he is. He's a married man, but if you are, you know, more power to you, buddy, you deserve what's coming here. Uh, and my friend who's standing next to me said, you know, just offhand while we're up there, Hey, you know what, what happened the other day, McKay? I said, what's that? He goes, I, I found a 50 in the parking lot of Walmart. I said, oh, did you get her number? <laughs> <laughs> and he looks. And this guy who's alpha goes. Well, what, let me set it mm-hmm. up. First of all, he's married and his wife is going, to, he, his wife would be attractive to under 5% okay. of the male population. Yep. Am I making myself clear?
1: I'm it not going to say,
0: but I'm saying, <laughs> I doubt that it's tough to touch <laughs> her. It would be evident. Um, mm. So he goes, Oh my God, McKay, that's gross. I said, Hey, be careful. My wife's 51 years old.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And, and he he looks at both of them and goes, Yeah, that's why I married a woman nine years younger than me. And both both my compadre to the right and I just looked at each other and started laughing. Cause the right. humor in that is implicit. Like, oh, where you're saying that you're, you know, somehow <laughs> doing better with chicks than I am, because mine happens to be fifty one. I don't we don't think so, but we're not gonna say anything. We'll just let you feel good about that. And he just goes, What? And we laugh harder. You see. So there's this cascading effect when you're having fun. That <laughs> sometimes when, when you think about it, the funnier it gets. And see, that's that's the hallmark of really, really effective humor. So what what happened there was, you know, and and that joke I thought of on the spot. You can think of it as funny or not, but it's a it's a shining yeah, example unexpected. of irony because mm-hmm. I took it and I twisted it. But my brain. You know, if you're familiar with the whole uh, Malcolm Gladwellian idea of, 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 of the matrices of consciousness mm-hmm. and competence, you know, when you're unconsciously incompetent, you're really, you know, you've got the Dunning-Kruger effect. And you think you're a genius <laughs> and people are going, oh God, I'm not <laughs> that guy. He's pretty stupid. Then you realize you're unconsciously incompetent. You really, then you become consciously incompetent where you go, oh shit, I'm a dumbass." Oh God, that's embarrassing. And then you work on yourself and you become right. consciously competent. Now here... Here's where you know you're almost to the point of being unconsciously competent when it comes to learning how to be funny. And it's the most frustrating thing. It's so much like the light at the end of the tunnel if you just break through, is when 30 seconds or a minute later, you kick yourself going, Oh God, now I know what I should have said. That would have been hilarious. But the water has flowed under the bridge the time. and it's too late. Hey. Ah, You're good. almost there. You're so almost close. there. I mean, you know, your brain is just, it's just, it, the synapses have to fire a little more automatically. And so the conscious competence is, I'm going to go out and I'm going to search for irony and everything. What could this mean other than that? Right? So in other words, I was out with a guy in field and I live in San Antonio, Texas, where there are a lot of Latinas and most Latinas at least speak a modicum of Spanish. And I do too. And... You know, there's a little gal who's very pretty with raven black hair, just pretty smile, you know, and she's handing out samples. And they're like this romaine lettuce with like dressing on it.
1: Sounds exotic.
0: And I go, I go, I go, what's going on there? She goes, soy ginger. I say, pues Buenos Dias ginger, soy sky. And she just yeah. starts dying laughing. That's great. Now, <laughs> because soy ginger is, you know, soy oil and ginger mixed into a dressing, but soy ginger literally Mm -hmm. means I'm ginger and a girl's name is ginger. So basically I treated it as if she was introducing herself and I responded by introducing myself. The reason why that's funny for those of you guys who speak Spanish at a meta level is because it's butchered
1: Spanish. I mean, it makes sense. It'd be like, it would be Mayamo Scott versus Soy Scott, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right.
0: It, it, it's it's bad Spanish. because just, he just died laughing. So, that, you know, we go to another counter, by the way, and there's this older lady. And by the way, I flirt with all of them. I treat women like women. I just talk to well, them My, like women my grandfather
1: like is hilarious. So he's dead, but he was hilarious. And my dad is not funny. I mean, he, he my dad's a great, he'll laugh at everything. He's fun. But he's not funny at all. Like he never makes jokes. <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: sounds like my so, dad and me. Like,
1: so yeah. My dad, like, and well. so, but I, I grew. I spent a lot of time with my grandfather growing up, and he would flirt with all the waitresses, all the like any woman he saw. Didn't matter how old she was, he would flirt with her. Because it's easy. I yeah, love it, and
0: they love it, and it's not sexual. I, I talk to women like this with my wife next to me, and they're yeah. both laughing.
1: My grandma would be laughing the whole time. You know. Oh
0: yeah. Yeah. Sure, because it's it's just simply charming. And see, when women like you and they see the manliness and the charm, if you're available and they're available, it's going to happen. You don't have to push anything. But like you know, let me give these guys another example, just because I feel compelled to, because I really want this to stick. Because this is the meat and potatoes of this. Uh, Although we're about to talk (laughs) about chicken. Yeah. Uh, So this older lady's handing out samples, and and she goes, "All right, well, this is all natural chicken." It doesn't have any antibiotics. And I go, oh, good, because I want to stay infected. (laughs) And she looks at me and goes, you know, Mm because she's in the middle of a shtick. And she, like, can't get out of the shtick. And the girl, the lady next to me is a housewife, just looks at me and goes. (laughs) You know, right? (laughs) I mean, that's, that's how my mind works at this point. I hear... It doesn't have any antibiotics. Well, how can I twist around the fact that the chicken doesn't have any antibiotics? What if the antibiotics were in the chicken to cure me instead of the chicken? Boom, you got the joke. Just like the 50, obviously it's a $50 bill he found in the Walmart parking lot. And it's funny because sometimes people really lack self-awareness and social skill and go, he's talking about a $50 (laughs) bill, dumbass. And then you just look at your friend and start laughing again because he doesn't get it. You know, so... What no. happens? You don't want to be that guy. <laughs> okay. Everything's just got to be wrote. If it isn't, you know, they, they don't have a sense of humor, really. They can't sense the humor. And then, you know, the soy ginger thing, it's just, I heard something different than salad dressing because my brain was wired to do that. And it becomes like playing the guitar
1: with your hands working it's a Great thing to practice.
0: Like, or, I, or being I like fluent in a language.
1: That yes. That's a skill that you could practice all the time. You know, and write it down in your phone, take notes, Yes, and you will get better at that if if you put that awareness on it.
0: Boom. I want to say two things. First of all, I gave you a couple examples of where it gets funnier because of what happens next. If you watch some of the classic goofball funny movies that are built on this, this quick stream of ironic is pretty good one of my favorites of all time Mm -hmm. mill brooks for sure for sure um you know anything in the airplane you know top Mm -hmm. secret genre you know they're they're a little silly and goofy by the way if you're a dad and you like single moms then dad jokes are fair game single moms think dad jokes are hilarious um but if you if you watch, um, I mean, I'm going way back. This guy's before my time. But if you've ever heard of a guy named Buck Henry, who just actually died of old age a couple of years ago, he was one. Of, he was the comedy mm. writer behind Get Smart, right, with Mel Brooks. Okay, and he also was uh, worked with Bogdanovich on a on a very funny movie that's somewhat obscure called What's Up, Doc? With Barbara Streisand I've, and Ryan O'Neal. Hilarious. Which is yeah, one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. And if you watch the sitcoms. They'll use this device. And what they'll do is they'll put people together who are complete opposites of each other. Like you'll have that guy who is too serious, you know, like he means a fifty dollar bill, McKay. You got the guy in the in in the show who will say that. And then you got the guy who's really whimsical, and then you got the, the airheaded chick who everything goes over her head. Then you got the guy who thinks he's really douchey and smart, and the guy who's a real dumbass and his stupid sidekick. And then, you know, you get like Bob Newhart with Larry and Daryl and his other brother, Daryl, because they Bob Newhart was always a deadpan, straight delivery, you know, you know, humorist, you know, kind of he's still alive, but, you know, kind of like the prototype for say, like a Stephen mm-hmm. Wright, it was all deadpan, you know. And so when you have people who are opposite in personality types, then you have irony built in because these people are nothing alike. So the comedy starts writing itself. And so what Beck Henry would do is he would write jokes that the more you think about them, the funnier they get. Like the soy ginger joke is like that. If you speak Spanish, because it's funny on the surface, then you realize I just butchered Spanish Mm -hmm. on purpose and it gets funnier. So not to confuse you guys, but how do you learn it? Great. You two are funny, McKay and Robbie. Great. But what about me? I'm over here. Immersion. First of all, you got to want it. First of all, you have to almost like say to your brain, dude, this is what we're going to do from now on. We're going to go around trying to find the irony and everything. Then what you do is you get on Netflix or Amazon prime or whatever, and you start watching people who've mastered ironic humor. And I'll give you a hint. If it's clean, ironic humor, think old school. Okay. Gary not Seinfeld. Carlin and not prior, but like Seinfeld mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Um, There was was an old school comedian named Buddy Hackett. And if you watch his two HBO specials from like 1981 and 82, I promise, you'll look at the guy and go, really? And then you're going to be hyperventilating. You're laughing so hard. And it's all this. It's all this. And the two best ways I know to immerse yourselves, again, old school is the best school, all right? I mean, if you've ever watched – an old Marx Brothers movie, like Night at the Opera. The beauty of those old movies is none of the jokes have been used yet on film. So there's no such thing as an old, overused, worn-out joke. They were all brand new. You know, like, you know, there's a there's a one where this straight-laced woman, of course, because she's, you know, standing next to Groucho, who's a real cut-up, you know. And she, he's talking about how, how uh, you know, I, I married this one woman, and so I got a little bored and I married another woman. She's like, why, Captain, that's big of me. And he goes, big of you? It's big of me. How you know, much it costs to support two women? And he takes a puff of his cigar. You know. mm-hmm. Oh, none of those jokes have been used yet. Right? Um, I just flew in from Cleveland and boy are my arms tired. Mm-hmm. Penny Youngman. You're going to realize as you immerse yourself in the place I'm, I'm going to send you that every right. joke is that joke. Every ironic joke is that joke. I just flew in from Cleveland, and boy, are my arms tired. They're all that joke. Big of you, that's big of me. That's the same joke. Yeah. I found a 50 in the parking lot. Did you get our number? I mean, I could be Groucho Marks with a big old cigar and a bucks, bushy, must. It's the same mm-hmm. joke. It's a formula. So you wire your brain to do this. And here's what it says about you when you're quick on your feet and your brain does it. It says you have things handled, you're smart, you're effective. And you know how to make me feel safe and comfortable because that's what humor does. That is the theory of relativity for making women horny. It it is. Okay. That's why Chris (laughs) Farley isn't sexy. That's why John Candy isn't sexy. Because being a goofball and just cutting up and being visual humor. it, It doesn't make women horny. Now there's complexities to that, but if you are ironic and quick on your feet, like all the quips that Sean Connery's James Bond made back in the sixties, James Bond movies, Mm -hmm. or all this, you know, and if you can do that teasing, like, you know, why Ms. Moneypenny? I didn't have you, you know, I didn't have you on my bingo card as being the woman who does this when something ironic happens and it would be funny and flirty and you're bantering and you're teasing. Um, Too many guys think of nagging as insulting women. That's, not sexy. That's not what we're doing here. You're not, you're not Lewis Black. Lewis Black isn't sexy. Complaining and bitching about everything isn't, isn't what we're talking about here. It's got to be charming and warm. I call mm-hmm. it warm levity. So you can watch Buddy Hackett, of course, but you know what the two most golden things are? First of all, spring for a month of Serious XM and listen to Laugh USA, which is fi- the best five minutes of comedian after comedian after comedian. Don't listen to the sports talk radio. Listen to Laugh USA, and you're going to hear the same joke over and over again. A lot of times they have reruns, so you literally might hear that same joke over and over again. But you're going to realize it's mm-hmm. the same joke. You know, when I was a kid, I used to pray to God every night for a bicycle, but then I realized the good Lord doesn't work that way. So I stole one and asked him to forgive me. That's yeah. the same joke. It's the same joke. That one was written by a very strange comedian named Emo Phillips, and his onstage persona is weird. But he's an amazing comedy writer and a great Twitter follow, by the way. But you can go watch um, what's called the Dean Martin celebrity roast from the nineteen seventies, which are incredibly politically correct. I mean, they're literally grabbing women's suitors <laughs> and smoking while they're talking, you know. And what happened was they would roast the man of the hour. Like they would have Ronald Reagan on or Muhammad Ali, and they would just get, take turns. These famous comedians just making fun of the guy. Right. And when you see the, the ones that the new versions of them, you know, it's like the ones that they sell you the discs of on late night TV, but they're just, you know, you pick which one you want to watch. It's free. I think it's on prime and they take about an hour and they've cut it down. They've distilled like a two hour program. into just the funniest parts. Some of these guys have shticks, you know. They they run shtick. Like one guy acted like a drunk, and he was really good at it. Uh, the thing there that you know made him quit his act was really? Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Yeah, it was almost like the equivalent of the Me Too movement. What happened to pickup artists? That's what happened <laughs> to his career when <laughs> Mad came out. Wasn't funny no. to be drunk anymore. Poor guy. So, but but a lot of them were just straight up quick. And, and these guys were, they were good. They were they were quick on their feet. And if you know any of the modern day comedians who are actually legitimately funny and quick on their feet and can come up with things on the fly, once you learn this skill and you see where that's coming from, those are, you're going to become your favorite comedians. You're going to really have a respect for those guys and women. There's some women who are funny too. But the funny thing about, also you need to understand, and I, we're probably drinking from a fire hose at this point. But yeah, if you listen to, if you go and immerse yourself, gentlemen, I'd say three weeks, three weeks you immerse yourself in this, you're going to feel something in your brain go, oh man, I did that automatically. And you're going to be like, hell yes. And then the, then there's going to come this time where you're in front of a woman and she's going to say something. Your brain is unconsciously in irony mode and you'll just blurt it out and she'll go, oh my God, you're funny. And you'll go,
1: oh my God, I am. Well, if, if you're listening to this- if you're listening to this and you're like, that sounds terrible. I'm not doing that. I mean, I don't know. Kill yourself because what's, what's the assignment? It's like, go watch funny shit and try to think about it and you'll be funny. That sounds like the best homework anyone's ever given. So it's great.
0: Guys wing it though. They, they think I can't do it. It's like, it's like success with women. It's like success. There are certain things we've been wired to believe aren't within our grasp.
1: Well, I guys feel that way about well. Well, one thing that I heard back in the day was that, you know, there was like this dude who was very intelligent, very intellectual, and he was complaining like funny is not smart. And someone said, no, actually, you're wrong. Intelligence is humor. <laughs> it or is you have wrong. to be very intelligent to be able to, uh, you're wrong, <laughs> to be funny because <laughs> it takes thinking at a higher level and right. creating those, you know, right. those ironic sort of connections in your brain.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, it's also fearless um, you talked about being very straight laced and very serious and, um, the greatest example I can think of that it was a, an, another guy from the 60s and before who was named William F. Buckley Jr. you know what I'm talking about this was back when when rich stuck up people still spoke oh, in Mid-Atlantic
1: sounds, sounds fancy know, like
0: the millionaire from Gilligan's Island yeah it's like Mid-Atlantic <laughs> which is fallen out of focus. But you had all the movie stars and the, you know, darling in the 50s talked like this in the movies, right? So he talked like that and he was very straight, straight-laced. But he was also extremely funny, just, just out of the blue. And he just didn't care, you know? And, and and the context was he was a conservative political pundit, right? Back before you could be such without being called all sorts of names. I mean, we respected there were Democrats and Republicans, but there were still people back then when when you were angry at someone simply for voting for someone else, right. you were the one made fun of. You weren't the one hold, held on a pedestal. And so he 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 was the editor of a print magazine called National Review, which is still in print. Of course, William F. Buckley has long since passed, but he had this very you know erudite way of talking, mid Atlantic, you know. And uh, so you're thinking like, oh god, this is going oh, to be so super boring, right? like listening to paint dry but then he's funny and so this woman wrote to him one day and now this is almost like you know making fun of people who lack the sense of humor you can always have more fun with them and when they don't have any sense of humor it's suddenly meta level of funny like you know what my friend I was telling you about mm-hmm. we were talking about 50s he she writes the National Review and he prints the letter with his response okay he responds to the letters it's he actually prints this Mr. Buckley. I'd rather support a snake than anyone you support, right? I'd rather vote for a snake than anyone you support. And his answer was, "What if I support the snake?" Okay, that was his whole answer. <laughs> hilarious, you know, mm-hmm. because that's how you do this, right? I, I've gotten so I've gotten to the point where I, I hear something, I go, "Now that's how you write mm-hmm. comedy," you know, you know, when I hear it. And uh, I also keep a diary whenever I say anything funny. Uh, I write it down. There's actually a Mitch Hedberg joke about that. You know, People say, Mitch, how are you so funny? Well, my secret is I come up with dreams. I come up with, with, with jokes in my dreams at night, which is why I keep a notebook on my nightstand. Now, if I wake up from a dream and I forgot to put my notebook in my nightstand, I just have to talk myself into believing it wasn't funny and fall back asleep. You know. So he, he talks like that. But that's actually – that's how you do it. My, my favorite Mitch Hedberg joke, by the way, if you guys don't know who Mitch Hedberg is, go do the research. Funny, funny comedian. Died too young, of course, like so many of them do. I don't have a girlfriend. I have a girl who would get really, really, really mad if she heard me say that. That's my favorite Mitch <laughs> Hedberg joke, mm-hmm. which is how you write comedy. <laughs> <laughs> and the, mm-hmm. the more you think about it, the funnier it gets. So we talked about the benign wrongdoing, taking a stab at it, and this is not an original concept. This is well known. Um, when something bad happens to somebody, but everybody's okay, like you know, you ever have something bad happen, and you go, someday we're going to
1: look back on this and laugh, yeah. and invariably you do. All comedy is tragedy plus time, they say.
0: Yeah, yeah, you you're on it. So that 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 has also been termed a okay. benign wrongdoing. Um, one of my wife's go-to movies for for just, you know, when she, she needs a quick laugh, it is one called Rocket Man, not the one about Elton John, but it's like 20 years old, and it's about these it, these buffoons who go to Mars. And there's this one point where they're on Mars, and one guy's oxygen oxygen system peters out on him before they can go back to the ship, so he has to hook himself to the other guy's spacesuit. And then the goofball comp guy in the spacesuit starts farting. <laughs> So the other guy stuck like in this closed <laughs> ecosystem of his farts. And I, don't, I have never seen my wife laugh so hard in my entire life, you know, because that's kind of an ironic humor situation. You're supposed to take that seriously and you need share <laughs> oxygen. But what would happen if the guy farted and all of a sudden you got to inhale <laughs> the guy's farts and there's no escape? That starts being really, really funny because that's really going to be painful in the right. moment, but nobody's going to die from it. <laughs> if it's a really bad part, I suppose, but, um, you know, once you start immersing yourself, here here's the actual practical way to 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 consume all those jokes when you're hearing them on, on I mean, even when you're watching all this funny stuff or listening to it on XM, mm-hmm. anticipate the punchline. So I say, oh, I know where this is going. This is going to be this. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to surprise yourself. After a while, you're going you're going you're going to anticipate front punch- punchlines that are better than the one the guy your, actually for said. The
1: snake one, the the snake political one. I I, I had that right. a split second before. I was like, I bet he's going to say the snake. Support the snake. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, mm-hmm. because it's obvious, and that makes it funnier because the lady should have right. seen that coming when she wrote to him. Right. Yeah. So all of this, what all of this does is it lightens women up. Guys, guys are too serious. You know how guys get all serious on dates with women or first meetings, wherever you want to call them when they're approaching them because they're afraid. They're scared. They're going to screw up. So they they tense up. And then they go into serious mode. They go into default. Well, you you know, you got to stop treating these these conversations with women as competitions. Men are the only ones who are wired like that. Women don't think in terms of acceptance, rejection, mm-hmm. only men do. So, you know, plus, I mean, have you ever walked up to a woman and thinking she's great until you talk to her and they're like, I don't think so. Well, I mean, we need to give ourselves first right of refusal when we actually approach women and talk to them. So what what happens when you have this skill is you're going to see doors open. Okay. And, and, you know, it'll, it'll, there will be a day When you come up with something on the fly and don't even realize you thought of it, you're going to say, that's what those two goofballs (laughs) in the podcast were talking about. This is like I've hit critical mass. I could do this. And then you won't for a while and you'll frustrate yourself. But then it'll happen again. Then it'll happen again. Then you're just going to trust yourself. And then, then you'll have that portable skill on the fly for the rest of your life. And you will be one of very, very few men who get it. But it, it's got to be warm. It's got to be light. I keep it clean. I mean, if you have women who can handle dirty jokes, they they write themselves. But you're also going to be able to push the envelope. Like, you know, when, when women start laughing, sometimes they'll be the ones who start getting flirty and risque mm-hmm. with you, and then you can keep up with them. Um, I'm not a big fan of keynote escalation and the whole idea of escalating. I, I, like, I like to be more like a point guard in the NBA and let the game come to me. You know, read the room and just know when women are starting to get a little frisky and then rise up to meet that and invite more of it. I, I think that's a much better way to get authentic, enthusiastic consent, well, most guys, if you want to call it.
1: Yeah, most guys, when they try to learn like kino escalation, right, they they just start like touching women like way too much and then they just turn all of them off and they don't know how to calibrate and they're in their head thinking should I touch her now and how should I touch her and they're like looking <laughs> at their hand as they touch her and it's just a fucking creepy shit so
0: <laughs> and she's thinking not even exactly. with a 10-foot pole should you touch me you know there was, was that book everything I knew uh-huh. about life I learned in kindergarten Didn't we have learned that when the girl <laughs> next to you went stop touching me you know in kindergarten Let him touch you I first.
1: Mean, be the point guard We like don't you said. grow out of that that's for, good yeah right Oh God. I mean, when women start just, oh, they Make can't. them laugh a few times. They, just, they get real grabby. That's what you want. The laugh and yeah. the touch, you know, they, they touch you on right. the shoulder, they right. touch your arm, right? It's, it's all tied with the laughter. But if you're serious the whole time and you're trying to Keno escalate, mm-hmm. you know, good luck.
0: Well, here's the beautiful thing. The beautiful thing is when you start seeing this in action, you see just how utterly magical it is with women. You're going to start giving yourself a lot more credit, which is AKA confidence. And, you know, I, I said this on stage with a bunch of other dating coaches in a real, in front of an audience. And they were saying, what's the most important thing? You know, how, how do men attract women? And everybody was like, well, you got me, you know, tall, dark, handsome and rich and famous. And we all know that. But to bypass a woman's rejection mix, I don't know. Maybe it's because I've always been older than all the rest of you all guys. But that, I'm always like Yoda. I'm always like the big brother at the end that they come to for the last word. And so, of course, I'm sitting there at the end watching. And I I pulled a Gary Halbert on them. If you know Gary Halbert, he was a copywriter. and He famously said something very similar to what I was going to say that actually inspired it. And I said, I will give you guys all those advantages. I will let you be taller, richer, more handsome, famous, which they all were than me, by the way. (laughs) I'll give you guys, I'll give away all of those. I'll even go out and field with you but I want one advantage for myself. And I ask the audience, do you know what that is? And I ask your audience the same thing. And the answer is, is it humor? It's, it's, I want to be the guy who actually believes women should want me. That is the number one differentiator between men who get women and men who don't. You know, guys will come to me. Go, I can't get any women to go out with me. Well, how many women do you ask out? None. <laughs> one. You know, you've you've heard this before, right? And (laughs) things like comedic timing, being warm and light while still acting like a man, okay? No one really calls me effeminate, but I don't think I'm like Mr. Stoic bumping a log either, because I've worked to master exactly what I'm talking about. I'm not going to be douchey enough to sit here and say I'm modeling for you perfectly. As a matter of fact, I don't want you to be like me at all. I want you to be the best version of yourself out there. But for me with my life, what that means is being glad I'm a man carrying myself with confidence and with a sense of safety and security, making women feel safe in my presence and being warm and light because that's not anti-masculine. It's what, ignites their little feminine beings and makes them horny. you see women just want to have fun they they want they yeah. laugh when they have fun they laugh and they have fun when they feel safe
1: that's they just want to have fun it's that song the cindy Lauper song the girls just want to have fun and that's something that is almost never talked about in the you know the whole dating you know manosphere or whatever it's being warm like i don't think i've maybe ever heard that and it's so true mm-hmm. yeah like that's why i'll win
0: I'll take all those guys on. They can all come out and field with me. I I do infield work now with guys, with my wife's blessing, because she knows I'm yeah. I'm coming home to her. Because I'm not out there trying to get laid. I just make women adore me. I make women feel safe and secure, and they're having fun, and they don't want they me feel to that, leave. That warm. Yeah. I mean, if you're single and she's single, what is she going to do? <laughs> not right. go out with you? And then once you make her feel that turned on in terms of femininity and that's safe and comfortable with you, what are you going to do? Not get naked and have sex? I mean, guys make this so much more complicated than it has to. I would say in terms of faking it till you make it, which is a term I don't really like, I think so. Because I think when you're scared and you're trying to be an approval seeker and you're trying to, to puff your chest out, and I'm not very tall and I get a lot of guys who aren't very tall, and the lesson they need to learn is it isn't their height that's keeping women away from them; it's it's their own attitude towards mm-hmm. their wife and their life. <laughs> that too, um, and overcompensating Napoleon complex. You know right. the whole Napoleon complex thing. Like, like my worst, most angriest customers who are, you know, the first Always. ones to complain are the yeah. short guys. Always, yeah.
1: Um, I tell short guys all the time, you've got a better chance with the tallest girls out there because they're already taller than everyone. So go after the supermodels. They're the hottest anyways, if, if you're into that, right? And Well, you know, I I got fortunate. I've mm-hmm. always like little petite cuties.
0: So, you know, my wife's five foot one. Uh, she always dated guys over six feet tall till she met me because right. then all of a sudden it didn't matter anymore. Um, You got to remember what we're talking about here. Like you said, that nobody ever talks about it. Nobody ever thinks it's important. But it's, again, it's like learning how the clutch works. Once you know how women, how femininity is attracted and what kind of – what what it is about masculinity, the safety, the ability to make them feel secure, that ability to create a hedge of protection around their feminine being so they can be fun, playful, joyful, Hospitable, all those things that are feminine gifts, which I believe is the highest calling. By the way, I think that's all the stuff we live for on weekends. We're just like the rent-a-cops <laughs> who make it all possible, you know. The, but the beauty of being a man is you are the yep. benefactor of those gifts, and and then you see them, and and one of them is sex, you know, and adoration, and having women really like you is better than being wealthy or famous. Oh, I agree. It really is. It's just. It's like everybody buys the cars. You know, you go out to the to the clubs on South Beach, Miami, and the guy's revving up his twelve cylinder Lambo outside the club at two AM because he wants some pussy. Right. That's, that's why he bought the car. It's like, you know, it, 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 success with women
1: is like the it really primal is. There's holy no better gram. feeling mm-hmm.
0: and, and I think what we talked about here today is a
1: shortcut. Yeah, you know, I was thinking, yeah, about. Just that whole idea of like being more warm. And I think inherent, like nice guys, most of them who are, you know, suffering from the nice guy syndrome, they're usually pretty warm. Right. And I feel like, right. Well, they may or um, may not be. I feel like, on, uh, you know, the, the ones who are popping in my mind, maybe it's just recency bias or whatever, but they're always warm, but then they need to. They need to kind of develop a little bit of that masculine edge. Learn, learn to say no. Learn to, you know, be a little bit more of a bad boy. But then they need to bring back the warmth because a lot of them. I did this. Like I, I tried to go like all stoic and all masculine and all that stuff. You know, many years ago when I was getting into this stuff, and then I realized like, wait, I'm not, I'm not fun anymore. Like girls aren't laughing like they used to laugh, and it, it was a, a one of those peaks and valleys situations. But when I realized that was happening, yeah, you know, I, I pulled out of it.
0: It's amazing how. Compartmentalize we make all this. Like you go on YouTube and you look at the masculinity guys, you know, they're all standing around a campfire, right? You know, learning jujitsu. (laughs) Right, you know, and and I mean, listen, Jocko Willink's company sponsors my podcast, and they handpicked us to sponsor. So I mean, you know, we're we're all for being masculine and manly, but I think there's a difference. Matter of fact, I know there's a difference between macho and masculine and the way women are ignited by. Macho is all the stuff we do to impress each other, mm-hmm. you know, as guys. Weirdly, in the in the English language, at least in the United States, there's not a female equivalent of that. Like, you know, the macho stuff would be um, shoe shopping and watching Hallmark Channel at Christmas time and your PJs. You know, that kind of stuff is what mm-hmm. women do to impress each other. You know, going to the bathroom together, the martini Being a lunches, you know, the hen nights and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, they could go do that. That's that's all the mm-hmm. slag. It's not the jet fuel. Um for women, it's how you make them feel that sense of safety, security, having a plan, taking care of all those things at the bottom mm-hmm. the bottom uh kind of uh layers of, of Maslow's hierarchy, that pyramid, so they don't have to. Like if you've ever gone out with a single mom and she's got a billion locks on her door and she's got a 38 under her 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 pillow and she's scared and she's scrambling to make ends meet and she's still there's no time left for her to be feminine you know if you take a woman like that out on a date and just announce to her i'm about to take you on a three-hour vacation you don't have anything to worry about i've got it all planned you have one job and that's to relax she'll go oh my god (laughs) who are you Uh uh-huh you'll just own she's like i've heard enough can we just go back to your place because i'm horny i haven't had any in ages i mean I've, i've 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 heard that almost that quickly because you get it. And nothing says you get it more than helping a woman feel safe and comfortable. And you don't do that by being a hard ass. You know, I said this years ago in 2007, even in my David D'Angelo interview back in the day, men are providers and protectors, but the problem with most situations is the number one guy, the, the number one guy women needed to be protected from is the guy they're with. Right. So something's backwards there, you know? So no, there's nothing. It, this is all very primal. This isn't our beings. We want to be this way. If we let ourselves, if we let ourselves, we'll be this way. The problem is we've all been wired to think we can't be that way. Or we shouldn't be that way. The pendulum swinging to where we're all emo and, you know, non-binary in one <laughs> direction. On the other direction, I'm not tough enough. i got to be more macho and, you know, i got to do hard things. I go, here's something hard for you, okay? Learn how to have some social skill. You know, just because it's a hard, difficult thing to do doesn't mean you're crawling around doing tough mutters and running marathons, right, and getting your ass kicked. I love some of those things. I, I have lots of macho things I like to do, but – Really, the macho things are only impressive to women after they're attracted to you. Like all these guys who go out on dates trying to impress women with their boats and their Yale degree. And it's the same thing as with trying to find common interests. I love little vanilla cupcakes with coconut sprinkled on them. Really? Me too. You know, first thing she thinks when she says, no, you don't. No, you don't. Right. Right? But guys are looking for to to, to be impressive and to they find want to common make that interest connection
1: Look, and they're so thirsty for Robbie, it it's so cringe.
0: It's a lie. What happens? All right, let, let me just prove it. Let's I mean, hard facts. Okay? If you meet someone and she's won a Nobel Prize and she went to the same college as you and she plays guitar like freaking, you know, Eddie Van Halen. has a singing voice like an angel. And you both love Ethiopian food, right? And she's a pig dog, and you don't even think she's attractive at all. Guess how much of that's going to matter? None. I know all kinds of college professors, guests on my podcast, amazing people who are impressive and who I have a lot in common with. We think the same way on other things, but I'm not about to be sexually attracted to them. You know? So what happens is once once you make her feel safe and comfortable, once you have a plan, once she feels comfortable with you, then every little thing that's impressive about you, every little stupid random factoid that you share is going to be amplified into amazingness. Oh my God. We both order the same thing at Taco Bell. It's like, well, the fact that we both go to Taco Bell probably means we deserve each other to begin with, right? <laughs> but you know what I mean? You can just see it. Now, now that you can see that, Mm-hmm. Like where the way the clutch works, I'm sure a lot of those guys are laughing. Go, God, that's exactly so true. It does not doesn't matter, and that's why these guys were trying to impress. I mean, I had a guy write a three thousand word first email to a woman that contained nothing but facts about how awesome he was. She was just creeped out.
1: I'm Sure, she. You know, you know it to why I know that? Because it's laugh.
0: the woman who showed it to me. Of course,
1: yeah. Oh God, he put a lot of time into now, that.
0: Now the other thing is for what. You know, and he's like, oh, God, I'm such a loser. I can't even get women to go out with me. Just save it, you know. Yeah. Um, you're going to also, you know what, what's funny when you lighten up and you become warmer and you learn the humor stuff is you take yourself less seriously. You realize not being successful or, or spilling coffee all over yourself on a first date is funny. If you let it, right. it's all spin. You know, you just start taking yourself less serious. Then you don't fear rejection anymore. Then you just don't fear anymore as much, with women especially. And like you like you said, not hardly any guys master the skills. So it's like once you once you learn it, you just own. Yeah, you know, they say like five percent of all guys get ninety-five percent of all the women. First of all, I don't want ninety-five percent of all the women. Maybe 95% of all the attractive women. Yeah. It's
1: an important distinction. There's
0: more than one way to become that 5%. And, and, and most guys don't do any effort to be that guy. There's like, oh, I'm not that guy. So, you know, I'm going to get angry. Right. But I don't know that, that I do know (laughs) it's that. And so, you know, when you see women respond to you powerfully, it builds your confidence. And, and it's just like you said. I mean, what sucks about going watching funny stuff and 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 immersing yourself into it till you get it. But again, back to the clutch analogy, you got to know the kind of funny to be. That's true. And it's the ironic humor, I which like makes a lot you of guys, look smart and connected, and like you have a plan and you're quick on your feet.
1: I'm trying to remember. A lot a lot of guys go for the wrong type of humor to study. They they're they're studying like the overly dry, overly sarcastic, kind of like cutting and humor that's funny if you're if yeah. you're not the butt of the joke, right? And then they end up being condescending. And I find that when women feel, feel that you're condescending, right. it's the biggest turnoff of all of them.
0: Warm, light and PG. Right. I mean, puns, you know, are dad jokes. You know, I, the once you get good at this, the acid test is already, am I, am I trying to restrain the laughter before I even say what I'm about to say? Is it funny to me? If it's not funny to you, it's not going to be funny to anyone
1: else. Another great way to practice that too is over, is over text. You now you've got all the time in the world to- Yes, because you have resp- more time. Right. Yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. So if guys can't be funny but over text- But you have to back that up in real life. That's the problem. That's true. <laughs> do that's we have practice, time though. for you, you to- do more time,
0: but you got to back it up.
1: Right. Do you have time to out, outline your three hour you do nothing and I'm going to take you on what, what were the, what was the, uh, we're, we're going to take you on a three hour vacation. I
0: don't think we had time for that, man. We are I don't know how much, I don't know about the attention span you guys have, but it's already three yeah, times about long it now. We'll save mine. that for
1: the next time. As um, a good teaser.
0: What were we talk? What, what, what did you ask you again? No, <laughs> no um, I have what I call, this is something I just realized I've never taught before, even though I used to do it routinely. Um, And I can, I can give you the elevator pitch version of what it is. Um, I call it the three hour vacation for two. First of all, you know, we talked about, we've kind of bemoaned the fact that dating doesn't exist anymore. Although if you ask women, they really want to be taken out on a date. So this isn't something you do with a woman you just met and you're not really sure about. Okay, this is a woman who you're ready to unleash the freaking shock and awe and you want her to fall in love with you. First thing you do is listen to her and find out what she actually likes and doesn't like. Okay? And by the way, before you guys think I'm going to be a simp and spend a million bucks on this chick, forget about it. That actually hurts you. The more you spend, the more you're anchoring something unpleasant to her being with you. There's pressure tied to that. Remember, you want her to feel safe and comfortable. So she says she can't stand... She's allergic to shrimp, but she loves Thai food. Well, you don't take her to a seafood house. You take her to the Thai restaurant. Cheap one, right? Um, not that you have to spend on dinner. Here's what you do. You listen and you make a plan on where to take her based on what she's going to like. Okay, And then of the guys are pushing back on that. I'm not some bitch telling me where to take her. You know, if if you take her to like... The sports trading car store because you love that don't just don't expect a second date that doesn't make her feel safe and comfortable okay <laughs> after some way now if, if you do have something in common and you'd like to do that together that's fine uh, there's a lot of complexity I and mean, I got a whole master class on running first dates appointment but like I said I promised you the elevator pitch so let's keep it to bullet points you make the plan then you have your ducks in order you know wear nice clothes don't. Be tired, don't be mad at your boss an hour after you came home work. Make sure you're in shape. So you do the prep. Then what you do is it's boom, boom, boom. There's a trifecta. There's there's lots of ways to run a trifecta. Okay. But one of them would be, for example, grab a bite to eat, take a walk as it's getting dark, somewhere romantic that you know maybe start holding her hand and end up at this cute little dive bar where you can listen to some jazz music and start making out. Boom, boom, boom. You defy everything in the world and and be chivalrous. You open the door for her. And I tell you what, how she responds to that is a yardstick. Remember you can evaluate. Okay. You're warm and light the whole time. There's no pressure. Oh, I forgot. The first thing you do when she gets in the car or you meet is go, I'm calling a moratorium on all distractions tonight. Mm, I used to like, if it doesn't get too cold here, but I used to have a car with heated seats that it was an Audi. So it had a really nice smelling interior and I would always, already, I would have her heated seat already activated for her when she got in the car, you know, and it would be all cozy, you know, and she'd get in the car and go, Ooh, wow. It's nice in here. I said, you know what? For the next few hours, you're on vacation. And I don't think I'm going to need this anymore. I took my cell phone and tossed in the back seat and laughed. That's light and warm. And she goes, well, I think I need to, you know, hold my, I went out with less single moms because I had custody of my daughter and I became a master at meeting women who had five-year-old daughters, but that's a different story because <laughs> I had a five-year-old daughter, but they would laugh and they'd go, I love that idea. I said, no, we're not going to have any distractions. I'm not going to bury my face in my, I mean, nowadays you have smartphones. I'm not going to bury my face in my smartphone. I'm not going to check this, the sports scores. Nothing. It's all about us and our vacation for the next few hours. And they would just melt. So you've already called out distractions. You've already said with warmth, you you have set rules. You set boundaries. Because otherwise, women are going to sit there on their smartphones all night texting their BFF when they're supposed to be on a date with you. But when you call it out up front, it's gone. And she goes, yeah. wow, yeah, I agree to that.
1: That sounds She's good. She's going to think twice. That's important. That, yeah.
0: Right, and then the last bullet point is there's a deadline. Oh, so many guys are trying to reel in the biscuit and get her back to their apartment. No, I'm brave. You leave her wanting more. Three hours later, go, all right, time to take you home. She can put. We're just getting started, and I like you, and I'm having so much fun. These women will say things like, I have never been on a date like that ever, mm-hmm. and they're hot, okay? They're gorgeous, because they, they haven't. They've been out with a bunch of guys who are trying to get laid. Yeah. And pushy. And creepy, and don't even like women. Right. And when you're one of these guys, I mean, you know, and then you her just making her laugh all night on top of this. And oh my god, I mean, it's just it's stupid. And then because you're so good at this point at knowing what women want and how how to attract them, and again, you're not Mr. Nice Guy. You're not not just answering your whims, her whims. You made the plan. Yeah, you're sticking to your plan. You're in the driver's seat. You call the shots. But the shots are in her best interest, and she knows it. So she relaxes. And when you tell a woman who's got a stressful life and who doesn't nowadays, that you're about, this is going to be a three-hour vacation. you got it all covered. It's curated. She's in.
1: Yeah, that's powerful.
0: And then you don't ever pressure for the sex. You don't pressure for the sex. And you know what happens in the end of three hours? She's all over you.
1: She wants wants to come back.
0: And then you take her home, and she, she... She's addicted to you. Yeah. There's always this. How do you get women to addict, addict them? How do you get women addicted to you? That's it. Leave her wanting more at the end, and it'll take every fiber of your being as a mature, evolved man to pull the trigger on that. It but will. The benefits are crazy good. Yeah. And by the way, it also say about you that you're not desperate and sexually needy. Now if she attacks you and says, I refuse to take no for an answer. We're going to your place. I don't know how you fight that, <laughs> but I'd at least try. <laughs> you don't want to reject her is what
1: I'm saying. Right. You know, a lot of uh, times I, I we get that. so
0: worried about rejection. We figure a woman can feel rejected. Yeah. yeah, well, That's the short version of
1: it. I love it. The trifecta part of it. Uh, Cause I have a similar, I call it my dating protocol. Boom, boom, but boom. It's, yeah. It's those three venues. Right. And it's like a venue could just be walking and talking, going from the restaurant to the Uber, to the car, the driving. For 10 minutes. Venue. What's that?
0: Three, three, mm-hmm. three portions.
1: Yeah. That's gold.
0: And what happens is she's going to anchor these feelings she has to you at the end of it. And only you. You're going to be the guy who made her feel that way.
1: No yeah. one's doing those dates. Yeah. Very, Good very stuff. few guys.
0: You know, and the funny thing is, I will say this. Well, let me say one thing. Okay. 10 seconds worth. Dating is obsolete. Hookup culture is obsolete. What people are doing is just talking saying we should do something sometime. They do that. Next thing you know, they're, they're Netflixing and chilling. They've never gone on a date. So the weird part is nowadays also because people are so afraid post COVID and lost their social skill. It's actually easier than it's ever been, but What happens is when that happens and it just falls together because people have short attention spans and they don't really want to do the whole formal thing, what happens is when you actually find a woman and say, look, look, what's going to happen here. We're going to go out on a real actual date when she's actually the woman you want, it melts her. So that's important to talk about. It's actually easier. You don't have to do this with first dates with every woman you ever met. I mean, you'll have to be women in love with you if you do that.
1: But yeah. Yeah, no, that's an important point. And you're you're right. It's Dates have totally devolved into, you know, Tinder, Netflix, and chill, and...
0: Nothing. Yeah.
1: It's, uh, you know, there's very few guys yeah. actually doing well with that model.
0: Um, you want to send guys, uh, you were saying where to send them. First of all, it's easy. You just listen to the Mountaintop Podcast. I mean, you're coming on my show pretty soon again for the second or third time, so that there's some familiarity there. They can start with your shows. Um, and I think also, I think after all this, that uh, we would... <laughs> They'll come back they'll come at us with, with torches and pitchforks, Robbie, if we don't aim them to that master class on how to really, really hone your sense of humor and be funny. Um so you have a link for that, right?
1: Yeah, no, that's that's what I wanted to ask yeah, you about. Is it's, um, guys, can, you, So they can get more. I want to hear more about the master class because that's Yes. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, um I will send you a link for the master class and then you can cloak it with your own domain front slash comedy or whatever you want to cloak it with. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's called comedy clinic, the superpower of making women laugh. And I left nothing on the table. There are examples. There are real world examples of real guys who did these things effectively and how it works and why Uh, that, that science behind why humor works all about how the clutch works. All of that's in there and it's very fast paced and interactive interactive because it was held as a live class and the great thing about my my master classes is included with it it's almost like like AT&T used to say it's the next best thing to being there it's actually better than being there because you don't have to deal with you don't have to call through a bunch of other sweaty guys to get the microphone but you get 30 days of email support and you can talk to me on the phone for 30 minutes for free and ask all the questions that came up with me the host you schedule it. There's a button in the members area, go right to it. And it is the fast track to getting you this superpower with women. So if you're, if you're emerging from this particular podcast, a believer in all this and saying, you know, I want this in my life, that would be the fastest way to make it happen. Even faster than Buddy Hackett.
1: <laughs> nice. It's <laughs> pretty fast. So guys, you should grab that. A little comedic That's, recall there. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> Well, right. Scott, it's been, it's been awesome as, as always. Uh, and I'm excited to, to be on your show coming yeah. up. So thanks for, thanks for dropping in and yeah. sharing all the wisdom.
0: Yes, sir. And I wish all you guys the best. Thanks. Thanks for hanging in there with us. Hope to talk to you soon. Thanks.
1: I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you're new to the show and digging our content, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, wherever you listen or watch. But if you're not really digging it, go ahead. Just don't leave us any review at all. And that'd be great. If you're feeling a little bit stuck or you just want to optimize and step up your game, we've opened up a few spots in our Inner Confidence community. We're accepting applications if you want to join our select group of men and experience the radical power of accountability, cross everything off your sexual bucket list, and just become a beast who gets more stuff done. To learn more and apply, go to start.innerconfidence.com.